0: Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Paciuto, and I'm very excited to have my dear friend, Bryony Shermer on the line with us today. Bryony, how you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you, John. It's so nice to be here. So, oh. And you got my name right perfectly, so well done.
0: I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Can you give the listeners a quick introduction to who you are?
1: Okay. My name is Bryony um, Shermer, as we've established. Um, I am from... Uh, England, and I live in Los Angeles. I've been in LA for the last 20 years. I am a visual artist. I practice photography. Um, I write, I do pieces of textile work. Um, When they all come together in one piece, I'm as happy a person as a person can be happy. yeah, what else about me? I spent 10 years in a band. So I did the musician trip for a while, which was amazing. John's looking surprised right now. He's like, oh my Very gosh.
0: excited, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so I did that. Um, I've done a number of things. I have, I've basically been on a, a, a big adventure, and I've dipped my, my toes into lots of different things, all creative, all artistic. Um, So I am what you call a multimedia, multidisciplined visual artist.
0: I love that. Obviously, yeah, I did get excited by the mention of uh, musicianship. Um, So give me uh, some insight into like your youth and growing up and like were you always uh, interested in the arts? Were you always sort of pushed into pursuing artistic means and like what was that process like growing up?
1: Oh, John, I was born a poor, lonely boy. Uh, no, um, <laughs> um, I was born uh, in England and um, and I, okay, so it's super interesting because there are so many ways to attack this question because, um, you know, I was born into a family, my, you know, my I, I feel like I'm 50, 53 now, I'm 53, so I was born in 1969 and I feel Um, that, you know, my parents' generation were definitely um, born and raised and sort of guided through a world that was completely different to the one that you and I now find ourselves Mm in. Sure. So um, I... I always knew that I was an artist. When I was little, I didn't know that's what it was. But, you know, I would come down at night and I would say to my parents, I'm going to be an opera singer. And then the next night I would come down and say, I'm going to be an interior designer. And then the next night I'd be, oh, my God, I'm going to be a tightrope walker. So there was always that sort of um, thing inside me that wanted me to do, I don't know, something that was extraordinary. Like I never, I never saw myself as sort of working for somebody else or having that sort of job or climbing a ladder in any sort of conventional way. Um, But my dad came from a much more conventional background. And I think that, you know, his, the way that he had been brought up uh, to sort of seek security and to follow rules and do those things. I think I provided something of a challenge for him. (laughs) Um, I mean, listen, we, we get along great and he, he loves me and vice versa, but I think that he, he wanted me to be safe.
2: Um,
1: So he, he sort of sent me for an education that was, um, that was not necessarily artistic, and I actually ended up going to a school that where they really didn't recognise people as individuals. I went to an all-girls school; it was a convent, so there, are, there are those two things um i don't do you know what a convent is i sure do i'm I'm a good i'm a good
0: catholic boy (laughs)
1: you Uh, you are me too but i'm a good catholic girl um so you know i went to i went to a convent boarding school that was all girls and um they really didn't recognize individuality they wanted to just move girls through the system Mm -hmm. send them out at the other end to be wives and mothers um Neither of which I had, you know, much interest in being. And um, so I was always in a lot of trouble at school. <laughs> um, I sort of acted out because I had too much energy for the place. I, you know, I wanted to be, you know, throwing clay around and splattering paint about and just making a mess, basically, and exploring who I was as a person. So um, not to say that there weren't a couple of people who I met along the way who did recognize who I was and who you know, enabled me as much as they could. Um, I actually had an English teacher um, who I adored and she really instilled in me um, a love of books and reading. My parents are avid readers, so that was pretty much there with me from birth. But books, reading, writing, the power of words... Um, moving people in that respect was really important to me so there was that anyway ultimately they asked me to leave the convent because um <laughs> i was you know i was getting into too much rimbundous. trouble yeah
2: um,
1: yeah so i went to i then went to a school in london um also an all-girls school, but a day school at this point anyway so i was going up and down on the tube uh i.e the metro um to school every day and um I was in London, and I was sort of footloose and fancy-free a little bit, <laughs> so I then discovered nightclubs and, you know, some some bad influences, <laughs> and, and thoroughly enjoyed that, um, so, you know, then I was in London, and I was going to the Mud Club, which was an amazing club, and, you know, just experimenting with both people and
0: substances drugs. yeah you could say drugs yeah, and yeah. substances.
1: Yeah, that's a better <laughs> one. so you know I was doing that and uh, just trying to figure out who I was um and I when I left school I was going to go and do textile design at Leicester University but I sort of had my fill of you know teachers and people who's who I didn't you know I was an upstart I didn't really think anyone could teach me anything so I was like I'm mm. not going to do that um that actually, in terms of where I am now, is probably the only regret I have in terms of choices I've made. But anyway, so I then went to I, I started working um, in TV and I was doing um, wardrobe design, styling um, when I was doing a lot of styling. Because, you know, again, you know, this is my draw to textiles and just all things colourful mm. and and recognising that I had an eye for that sort of thing sort of took me there. So I, I, I worked for an amazing woman called Penny Rose who's a fantastic costume designer and I assisted her for a while and then I went on to do some TV. So I was sort of learning a lot about um, just different fields and loving it. Um, and then of course, you know, I went to do editorial styling and I was watching the photographers and I thought, and okay, so back up just a tiny weeny bit When I was 11, I bought myself a a camera, my first camera I bought when I was 11. I don't know how I had the money or who I stole it from, but anyway, (laughs) I I bought myself an Icon FM2 um, and was always shooting. So, you know, I always had my camera, but when I was was watching these fashion photographers work and I thought, oh, okay, there's sort of more to this photography game than I initially supposed. Um, So, you know, I started doing a little bit of, just portrait work and fashion photography, just tiny weeny bits. I wasn't, I didn't really, I didn't really think of it as a career and I, I didn't think of it as a career and this sounds a bit funny, but because it came really naturally, like taking photographs, putting things together in a sort of compositional way, in a graphic way, um, in a beautiful way, just, you know, it felt like something I could do really naturally and just sort of, you know, just by I just figured if I could do it, everyone could do it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't recognize it as, as a talent or a gift, especially. Um, anyway, so, you know, styling wardrobe that all led me into starting a band, of course, because, you know, I wanted to be on stage and throwing myself around and I wanted to be enormously rich and famous. And so I started this band, which was a sort of cross between Soundgarden and Joni Mitchell. Oh. Um, and I, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. We were like, you know, we came along at a time when it was little, little verses and big choruses, you know, like Skunk and Nancy, not that I was anything like Skunk yeah. and Nancy. I mean, all hail, <laughs> all hail. Um, but uh, I did that and it was crazy, I mean, at the time it felt like pulling teeth but looking back on it it was the most it was really a phenomenal experience and you get to see the world in quite a privileged way because you get to see it from behind the scenes Mm -hmm. you know so um we we toured Scandinavia a lot we toured Germany a lot um We had a lot of fun i of course dated the guitarist because that's what you do when you're the lead singer for a band yeah stuck in a a bus i I really wanted to embrace the full rock and roll experience um you know we spent a lot of time on little in little buses my drummer was a star trek um fanatic so you know there was always voyager on on the bus and You know, before the band, I was not a Star Trek fan. Host the band. I'm an evangelist, you know. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) so so there was that. Um, I threw a Monopoly board out of the window on the Autobahn in Germany. That was a fun thing to do. I tried to trash some some hotel rooms, um, but everything was nailed down to the floor.
0: (laughs) So you lived out all your (laughs) punk rock rock dreams, right?
1: I really did. I really, really did. but it was, it was kind of, it was this thing where it was too much hard work. I mean, not, not hard work in terms of the work was hard, but
0: the growth. it didn't
1: necessarily come from a place inside me oh. that was um, totally natural. I mean, I can, you know, my brother's a musician, or my family are all musicians. I, I could sing and I could write a song, but I felt as if the music I was creating came from a darker place in me and I, when I moved to L.A. with the guitarist, because the band imploded, that's a whole other story, but that implode, we imploded, couldn't replace our drummer. Um, and I just thought, you know, I, I, I'm going to put all my shit on the street and I'm going to move to L.A. So that's literally what I did. I put all my belongings wow. on the street in London. So someone's got some really good stuff. Wow. Um, and, yeah. uh, and I came to L.A. My, my brother was getting married in New York. So I went to New York first and then I came out here and just stayed. You know, when you first, I came here in 2001 and when I arrived, LA laid on a really good show, you know, this, it was sparkly lights and I kept running into people who I hadn't seen in 20 years and I was like, this is where I belong. (laughs) Um, So I stayed. of course, the weather's pretty good and all of that stuff. So I stayed um, and I was doing music with him for a moment. Um, oh my God. I mean, if we had 10 hours, I could tell we have you some
0: plenty of hours, some really <laughs> funny
1: stories, but, um, uh, you know we came out here and we ultimately split up of course because that's what you do he smashed a guitar oh, on the no. floor and you know, yeah like we, we did the whole thing i mean we really really went at yeah. it hard in if, terms if of there are any
0: the- if there are any biographers listening i think your life <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to present day has already made for <laughs> one hell of a film <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, it's been, and I'm recounting it to you now, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, some shit has happened. <laughs> um, I haven't even told you about, you know, being Miss Jean Provocateur, that's a whole other thing. But anyway,
2: Goodness.
1: Um, so um, I, I came out here and I can remember being on stage one night and I was singing the songs that, that we were performing at the time. And I can just remember thinking, I really, really hate this music. Oh, wow. You know, I really just don't want to be singing these songs. They don't feel as if they're coming from the right place inside of me. Um, they just, it just felt heavy. You know, mm. it just felt as if it wasn't coming from a light place. And, <clears throat> you know, in terms of visual art, I always create from a really light place. Mm-hmm. Um, whether the message is, more sophisticated or more profound it doesn't matter it comes from a really pure place inside me and it's much much easier so the fact that it is easy and I have no resistance to it was probably the cues that I needed in order to follow that yeah so um, and I've been taking pictures in LA while I was here I'd just been snapping the new environment and jacaranda trees and just various things And I had found a lab um, in Culver City and taken some stuff in there. And there was a woman at the front desk. And every time I picked a print up, she said, you know, there's really something about your pictures. Like, they have a quality. And I would say, yeah, 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 sure, cool. Um, And one day I gave a print to um, my sister-in-law. And she was a huge art collector and really engaged with and interested in the arts um, in a very deep way, and had a beautiful collection of of art. And um, she had this print out on a table and someone came into her house and said, oh, wow, I really like your new Uta Bath print. And I'd never heard of Uta Bath. And I quickly sort of went and looked her up and had my little mind blown a little bit because I thought, oh, okay, so I saw this woman's work, was so moved by it, was so inspired by it, and just thought, okay, so this has a similar sort of energy, a similar sort of vibe, and maybe this is something that I should run with. So um, I had a show here. Um, was that your first show? Gallery. That was my first show, yeah.
0: What year was that? Um,
1: that was 2001. Wow. Or oh, 2002, probably. Um so I had a show and it was a tiny little show um, of various various things that I'd, I'd shot, um, a, sh- a gallery that doesn't exist anymore, which is a real shame, but it was the Rose Gallery in Venice and um, and that was a bit of an eye-opener. So um, you know, people came, people bought, people enjoyed and that was nice and I felt much more in control of that sort of environment than I ever did inside of the you know, the music thing, mm-hmm. which was just, you know, that was that. Um, so then I just, you know, I went off on this crazy artistic journey in Los Angeles, which, and it really afforded me the space and the time, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could live here relatively cheaply compared to London. Um, I had a bit of money saved. So, you know, I just allowed myself to sort of put myself through, what was a little sort of uh, foundation course. You know, I I did some silk screening. I did some photography. I started sort of really um, looking at my interest in textiles. I, you know, started writing a little bit more seriously. Um, and yeah, so, and I sort of really went down as many avenues and tangents as I wanted to go down. And <laughs> I did this um, I did this little series uh, for a guy that I dated for about five minutes, but I did this series, which was, um, he was a painter and I was, so as you can see, I really like all the cliches. I want to date the guitarist. (laughs) I want to date the painter. You know, I certainly have a type, you know, I I really, I like the extremes. Um, So I, I made this little flick book and it was a silhouette of me taking my clothes off and
0: um when you say flipbook you mean it's like, a, it's a flick book. like it's a flipbook like it's a flickbook with like drawings or photos
1: no no like photographs oh so, I, so I like each a, one would be I a different a, oh I, I put a projector behind me and i basically projected my shadow onto a wall and then i trod on my uh my sort of time release you know i had it under my foot like the, the cable that you know uh-huh. what's that cable release yeah thank you very much yeah um i had that under my foot so i trod on the cable release and i had it on you know and i just took my top off and i took my jeans off and i created this little flipbook and that's it was so very cool, cool.
0: Like, that is so it was, cool. it was really
1: cool yeah i mean i I've, I've got one here somewhere um i've got one right here actually Hold on, I'm going to show you. I know, all, I know, no one can see this. Yeah, but, no, it's
0: okay. Uh, but I am interested. That is so cool. What a like wildly yeah. unique way to like give someone a gift. Like, and I would never have to, thought to flirt
1: with a boy. Yeah. A wildly unique way to, to <laughs> really impress a bloke. It's funny. I used okay, to make I these hope. little
0: doodles on the bottom pages of my school books of like people kicking yeah, balls exactly. around. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: cool. So hold on, I don't, uh, and I've never flicked this with my left hand before. But here we go.
0: Oh my God. That is so fucking cool. Wow. That's so cool. That is so cool.
1: Holy Thank shit. You. I
0: need to do that. I mean with someone, not me because that, that would just be like frumpy and unbeautiful, but that's so cool. Wow. That's awesome.
1: Thank you. I want, I want everyone on this podcast to know that I, you know, John's just stolen my idea.
0: <laughs> I will give due credit. <laughs> that is so cool though. Um,
1: I'm actually sort of, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, seeing this recently again, I thought, Oh, you know, th- I need to turn this into a little, a little NFT. Absolutely. So,
0: uh, yeah. Into yeah. like a GIF.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my into God. That would be GIF.
0: so cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, anyway, so I did this and then I thought, Oh, I'm going to do this whole series of silhouettes of me doing various things and I'm going to put them on really colored backgrounds. And then I was driving down Fairfax and I saw the first iPod, um, ads that were people the dancing yeah. in silhouette with really bright background, backgrounds. And I was like, shit,
0: <laughs> you know, Apple
1: stole my idea.
0: Yeah. They are probably listening um, in.
1: <laughs> they, yeah. To your podcast. Yeah, right. Um, so, um, so, you know, that was, it was kind of like a bummer, but it was also, I just thought, well, at least I'm, at least I'm part of the zeitgeist. At least I'm feeling the vibes. Yeah. I'm sort of getting it right. Um, but then I turned uh, the seventh one of these, uh, maybe it's this one, yeah, I think it's this one here, mm-hmm. which you can't see, but I yeah. turned that into um, into a logo for myself, and I launched this line called a o m which stood for Army of me, cool. and I embroidered that onto clothes, and I did various things, and then i was I was um handwriting my journal onto t-shirts at the time um, and and then I sort of made that a little bit more official and I was silk screening my journal onto various bits of clothing and scarves and this that and the other so I did that for a moment so as you, so it was the sort of photography and the writing and the textiles all coming together in this rather nice mashup yeah, um, which was great and the idea for AOM was that it was going to be a sort of um, A whole world of of stuff that, you know, I didn't know where it was going to go, but I knew it was going to do something good in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did that for a moment. But, you know, when you're a one-woman band and, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have, you know, the resources or the support, those things are are hard to achieve. And I, I achieved some things and it was great to do it. And I had the line and I loved it. And then, of course, it led to me doing other stuff so um and actually it's still it, it still kind of exists and within the nft space i'm really excited about the idea that these ideas can have a rebirth and a reboot and oh, yeah. can sort of find their way back into what i'm doing now and just back into the world in general and that suddenly i have i have this space where um all of these ideas that have been dormant for a moment can can come back to life. So, you know, that's super exciting.
0: That is really awesome. I mean, I, I often say how jealous I am of artists and photographers and musicians and whomever, whatever their discipline is. That at a young age, they had this love or this passion or this realization of the thing that they loved because photography came to me super late in life. You know, I was 35 years old when I lost my job in the pandemic and went on a road trip, which, you know, sort of reopened my eyes to the things that were important in life and like what I wanted to be and who I wanted to to you know what i wanted to do with the rest of my life um so like for mm-hmm. you being able to know from such a young age what a passion you have for a multitude of arts is is a is a bit i am a bit jealous of that that's that's pretty pretty awesome um
1: yeah but you you shouldn't be jealous of that at all because actually it's it's it leads to some chaos you know <laughs> that's okay as, though you know, as, uh, as you are hearing it but I know that ultimately it all comes together in, in something like it's, I'm, you know, I'm trying to create a little world here. And I had dinner with a girl last night and, um, uh, I was with a group of friends and this girl who I've met a couple of times before, but we ended up sort of having a, uh, a one-on-one conversation about exactly this. She was interested in the NFT space and I was just talking to her about the people I'm meeting here and the kinds of artists and just that there are a lot of people in the space who are doing lots of different things and that they feel really energized and revived by this space because it allows them to be themselves.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, um, and she she was explaining it back to me and saying, but don't you see that, you know, the education that you had and the upbringing that you had forced you to be flexible as an artist because you were sort of bending to other people's whims all the time. Ooh. And it was really a crazy sort of it was it was something that really resonated with me. But I was listening to her and thinking that is exactly why I am the kind of artist that I am today. And while sometimes it's hard to wrangle all these different things, um, it is a it is a really pure expression of actually who I am and how I was brought up. Oh.
0: I actually love that. That's, that's pretty fucking awesome. Like for me, it's just, I sort of stumbled in the fact that I love to make photographs. Right. And and I don't care whether that's a picture of a flower or a person, um, or, you know, a pile of trash on the street. It's just the ability that photography has given me to express things that I'm feeling in my everyday life is something that I'll be supremely thankful for, you know, hopefully 50 years from now, assuming the world doesn't end. (laughs) um
1: yeah no i mean that's amazing i um yeah that's amazing i i really i really applaud that and i just love that you found access to that
0: yeah i
1: mean do you not just give thanks all the time all the time i, I mean i do yeah,
0: yeah. I, I mean like i i've i've been able to I, i'm lucky enough to say that like whereas this journey has been something i could never have like imagined for myself five years ago um like, I wake up every day supremely happy. Like, I wake up so comfortable in my own skin and so sure of myself that, like, I. Five years ago, 10 years ago, forget about it. I had no idea who I was or what I wanted to be. I just wanted to make more money. I just wanted to be, you know, more important, you know. I just wanted to have a bigger house or a better car or a fancier watch. And none of that shit matters anymore. Like, I just want to create things that are an expression of who I am as a human being and have conversations with people about what type of expressions they want to exhibit in their lives. And uh, it's been just, like, such an amazing transformative two-year period of my life that I'll be supremely thankful for for the rest of my life?
1: So this morning, um, I was in a Twitter space and it was centered around this idea of purpose. And I was talking about how um, in 2017, 2017, I suppose, um, I had some physical issues that were really wreaking ha- havoc with my, with my body and, um, I was not able to really leave the house. I mean, I'll leave the gory details out, but um, you know, I really, I, I, yeah, I was, I was pretty much housebound and I was terribly anemic and I was not well. And for whatever reason, I hadn't sought medical help, which I ultimately did. Um, But, and I I ended up going into hospital um, and having some blood transfusions, which I, I, recommend by the way just in terms of you know it's cool (laughs) um anyway so, so i but while i was in there um they they were giving me they gave me hospital blankets and I um, had always been a writer, but I had been working on this series of pieces that were my top ten, so I took my top ten songs and I, um, and I embroidered them onto pieces of silk and kind of turned them into big pillows and they 're beautiful. I mean the beautiful pieces and great, but something in my brain and in my heart really wanted me to actually commit to writing and saying the things that I really wanted to say and I really wanted to write. Um, so while I was in hospital, I thought, okay, well, this is going to be it. And this I'm, I'm getting to a point, I promise. (laughs) Um, so I started doing these pieces and they, um, yeah, anyway, I started doing these pieces and I did nine essays slash letters slash long form poems. And they were exactly what I wanted to say in terms of they were really raw. It was me sharing my experience. Um, in as truthful a way as I could possibly find. And I I had the same experience and feeling that you're talking about, which is that suddenly everything was at peace. Like I was completely at peace inside my body. My true nature, my soul was at ease. I didn't have to fill any voids. The universe sort of opened up to me in a way that I hadn't experienced before. When I woke up in the morning, as you were just saying, you know, you wake up and there's not that sort of 10 seconds of, oh, my God, you know, who am I and what am I doing? Because I knew exactly what my drive was, what my purpose was, who I was, um, am, how I wanted to express, um, how I wanted to connect with people. I mean, it's really a it's really a gift, and yeah. if you know if you can reach that point as an artist, i just i it i just think that's tremendous it's yeah.
0: really tremendous it's funny because leading up to that point, I was immensely anxious when i woke up i I was battling anxiety and depression and like questioning what am i doing with my life you know you're in the middle of a pandemic you're working from home i was out of place in the in the job that i had i was failing miserably at what i was doing and when that got all taken away from me i had this like not epiphany but i had this moment where now what right like what the fuck do i do now right like everything is gone everything is taken away And when you have an opportunity, and I look at it as an opportunity, other people could look at it as a negative, but when you have that opportunity to spend some time in the the quiet of yourself and be introspective about the things that you want out of your life, it can go a long way. It can give you purpose and it can give you clear indications on the things that you're supposed to be doing. And, uh, you know, I say the same thing pretty much always on my podcast 2020 was the best financial year of my life and i made more i made more money in 2020 than i have in my entire life and 2021 was the worst year of my life financially um 2020 was the worst year of my life personally and chaotically and 2021 was the best year of my life personally and you know introspectively and I've gotten now to the point where I'm being able to marry both of those things in a life that is giving me satisfaction and purpose and I think it takes unfortunately at times health issues family loss you know tragedies in your life for you to be introspective enough to look at the important things in life and uh to me, I am happy that although I'm now 36 years old and old man and, you know, and such, I've found my purpose. And some people can't say that. And that's one of the reasons why I enjoy having these conversations so thoroughly, because it, it gives insight into how, how no matter how different we are as human beings, we all encounter the same experiences in life.
1: It's so important. And to speak to your point about, um, you know, having to sort of reach a rock bottom, if you like, or something, um, really extreme having to happen before you can reach that point. I think that that one, I, I I think that that is no mistake. I I think that that's the universe or the metaverse in our case, um, really just, just sort of clobbering you over the head and saying, listen, I've been trying to show you this for a really long time. Clearly, I'm not getting through to you. <laughs> I'm So we're, we're going to take everything away. Yeah. Or I'm going to really threaten your health. Or I'm going to make it so that you really have to sit still and
0: take just notice. look at
1: what's going on. And and I think a lot of people don't do that. They panic in that moment. Oh, sure. Um, it would have been very but, easy for but, me
0: to immediately have jumped into another job making six figures yeah. and, and like, you know, go right back into it right and if i hadn't been for that pause and that respite i would not be in the position i am today
1: yeah um again i people can't see this but so these these are this is one of the pieces oh wow
0: that's so cool
1: that i did um show me the other page is Um, that is
0: that parts of your diary that you cut out
1: well, so these these were the nine pieces that I did, and if you if you think there's time, yes, um, we have plenty of time, I'd like to read one.
0: Absolutely, okay, please do. So
1: let me read one. So this was the first one. Um, they're not all in this in this vein, but uh, this was the first one I wrote, and well, it's so hard because I love all of these. I'm going to read this one actually. It's better. So. Um, these were this is one of the nine pieces that i wrote and then sewed and actually then i photographed these using um large format cameras so I, I photographed them on a 4x5 so then i produced these these prints um but this is called clarity and drive to spare time is running out the truth my truth is carefully stowed together with grand design big dreams and other stories my mother always told me to take the high road, so I acquiesced to excess. i made nice and sacrificed. And where did the high road take me? Here I sit at my kitchen table staring at shitty lino, peeling cabinets and a broken window just south of Franklin, surrounded by the freaks and the naysayers in a present I do not recognise. There's a phone ringing in my neighbor's apartment. Traffic is at an all-time high and my throat hurts. In, out, up, down, thick, thin, black, white, on, off, it's all the things, all the time. Fight, flight, feast, famine, beat em or join em. Clarity and drive to spare, I was going to change the world, transported from another space and time, I bring glad tidings, cue trumpets and fanfare, take everything, I'm an offering. But the world was not ready, so I postponed read books, walked the dogs, watched TV, gathered dust, swam a lot, took all the pictures, started a band, dated assholes, moved to California, did some yoga, went to parties, looked for answers, wrote stuff down, put dreams aside, picked them up not long after. I found friends and lost some too, made plans, then made some more. I fell in love too hard, too soon, sex and money came and went. I'm empty, I'm full, I'm sweet and sour, I'm hot, cold, lost and found win or lose for better or worse. It has to be all or nothing. I laughed a lot. I cried a lot too. So even though the intentions and the energy are a little frayed at the edges, I believe I'm ready now.
0: Wow. Uh, I love that. And when did you write that? You were uh, like in the hospital? In like
1: 2017 in and around um the first one was written in the hospital the rest was sort of you know once i hit on the idea and once i knew what i was going to do um then i actually had to sit down and write things and do the work but um i came up with these nine pieces and that was very cool
0: i think that's and uh, it's amazing yeah that, sorry I, go ahead I, I, it's, first of all it's beautiful i uh I struggle with writing. I used to do a bit of writing on on the internet uh, for like places like Elite Daily and Thought Catalog, and um, it's funny because I spent a lot of time not pretending I wasn't doing it, but like you know, I, that wasn't the person that I was when I was doing it. Right, so I was very much corporate John, working a job, making money, being very focused on those things, and sort of putting this stuff out there, but not drawing attention to it, almost being embarrassed by it. Um, right. And I, and I, it's something that I like I struggle with to do now because I still feel like a fraud when I do it. Um, you as a person who work in a multitude of of disciplines from an art perspective, are you drawn to one more than another? Do you find that like inspiration strikes you in one way more than another? Like how does, how does your artistic process sort of unfurl itself?
1: um good question maybe you've got the answer (laughs) um um, so i i feel a lot of the time photography and writing go hand in hand like Mm -hmm. for me i i approach um both writing and photography i think from quite a poetic place and i'm using the term really broadly Mm -hmm. but it's it's definitely from a a place of um looking to translate or explain or just um i don't know uh make sense of uh, you know my surroundings and also i feel as a person that i have this really clear sort of through line to um and please no one sort of i don't know laugh at what i'm about to say but i feel like i have this through line to to The truth, like I feel like I have, I have clarity um about what's real and what's not real in the world about what's good and what's not bad but you know i'm an aquarium we all think that (laughs) so um it's true i I, I do
0: do. i do greatly agree with you though and you know it used to be what i would consider as my bullshit meter like i could tell when people were putting on a front because i was so accustomed to putting on my own right pretending to be something that i wasn't or pretending to be happy when i wasn't so i could see that in other people and I'm glad that you mentioned that because it is something that I feel like I try to articulate in in my pictures and I am starting to write more. And, and it is something that I, I am uncovering about myself that I am able to see through someone and know what I believe to be their truth, whether they want to admit it right. or not.
1: And although I, although I, I I'm just, a
0: Sagittarius.
1: <laughs> I'm Sagittarius rising.
0: Oh, OK. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we,
1: we, we love the Sagittarians. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, but I I really seek authenticity, um, and again I don't know if that's because of how I was raised or what my surroundings were. But anyway, that seems to be my drive. Mm-hmm. So if I'm out and about, um, I see things in a photographic way. I just do, you know. I, um, back in the good old days of Web two, um, you know, I I really loathed using Instagram as a tool. It just, it wasn't, I mean, I did, but I never had any success on there. It didn't feel good to me. It didn't feel right. But I started this one page um, where, you know, there were no hashtags, no nothing. It was just me shooting with my phone and it was just me shooting around LA. And like you, I'll take pictures of rubbish or garbage. I'll take pictures of, you know, half-eaten pieces of pizza because they amuse me because I want to know what the story is, like what's that doing there, who left it, you know, the <laughs> whole thing. So I started to do that, and it was a way to make that fun for me. And so I always see, that's how I see the world. As I'm walking along, taking my pictures, I'm also constantly writing. Like little things come into my head all the time. So, you know, I'm, I make notes, and I just write things down, Uh, You know, I have this piece that I wanna write called Hooray for Hollywood. It's been incubating for months, but at one point it'll just pop out. So in the back of my mind, I'm constantly sort of uh, percolating, incubating. Um, I know what's coming next. There's like a little queue of things that need to be made and want to be made. Um, Some of them, you know, get a bit pushy and work their way to the front others are happy to sort of sit back and just stay there for a little while until they're fully formed um and with regard to you know the textile thing and that aspect of what i do it sort of it all because those pieces are bigger and they take longer they're 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 like the cherry on the top so the writing and the photography are a constant there's something that i'm doing all the time in the background or in the foreground like it's always happening um And then they usually sort of climax in use of this, a rather bigger project. Um, I spent the last three years making a a quilt, which was um, everything I've ever done. So I spent three years making these tiny little tabs, which I hand sewed, which were all, every, everything I've ever done um, wow. from, you know, the mundane to the confessional to, and then I, I sewed those together and I created this giant piece, which, um, it's, it's having a life of its own in, in, a, in a show right now. But, um I've been, you know, and I photographed all the tabs. So again, there's always these things. It was, it was writing, it was photography, it was, you know, all came together as this one big piece. Um, so my artistic process, I don't know, it's, it, it's, it feels messy in my mind, but I also have to totally trust it because um, th- it's always been this way. And somehow I've managed to create what I consider to be really beautiful and important work. we operating in this way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I always, I always suffer from imposter syndrome. You know, I don't think, I don't think that I know enough. I don't think that I've I'm so, you know,
0: I'm, so I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm so surprised to hear that. Um, for a multitude of reasons, number one, it doesn't come through in your work um, at all there to me the photographs that i've seen the nfts of yours that you've created strike me as coming from an immensely confident place um and that was actually going to be my next question was how do you deal with imposter syndrome and confidence issues because i struggle with it daily i i i perhaps because i am so fresh and new in this journey in this career um that it's simple to compare myself to other people and other people's journeys but you know that's naive of me to compare myself with someone who's been doing it for twenty or thirty years, but how do you, as a person who's had wild commercial success and you know digitally and and in real life, obviously, um, how do you get struck by imposter syndrome?
1: Well, um, I'm an artist, you know, <laughs> so I'm by nature a sensitive soul, and I am I'm looking for answers all the time, so. That respect, you know, we I think that most artists, a lot of artists, some whoever, um, we inhabit the world in that way. So, while I am at this point in my life and in my sort of artistic journey, supremely confident about my abilities, I know that what I do is, um, based in experience, I know where it comes from inside my head. I, I, I know I'm an artist, you know, through and through and through, like, I have no, um, I, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I've got Doubt. no. Thank you. God, you know, simple word. <laughs> um, I have no doubts about that. Um, but there's still, you know, I'm still operating in the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still look at other people's work and I'm blown away by it. And I'm, I just, you know, it, it just, for a second, you know, it always registers with, like, oh, God, you know, that person's yeah. doing something that either I'd like to be doing, or they're doing it better than me, or they know more than me, or they, you know, they've chosen one thing. For me, i tell you what it is. I think is if I see someone who's chosen one thing and they have learned everything they possibly can about that, I have envy um, because that's not what I've done or how I've operated. Um, But going back to this idea of trust, I have to trust that the reason I am who I am and the reason I'm making the things that I'm making and the reason that I'm, doing what I'm doing is because the muse or whoever it was decided that this is how I should be operating in the world. Hmm. So I enjoy Hmm. that. So, I mean, I fall back quite a lot on, um, as we touched on a little bit earlier, the sort of world creation, um, that I'm, I'm creating my own little world. And if that's through engagement with people, or if that's through um, you know, my personality or my writing or being able to encourage other people or whatever it is. Like if I, if I can inspire people, I often think that actually that's, that's really my job as mm-hmm. an artist. So right now I have the utmost confidence in what I produce. And I will say that, you know, the NFT space is really taking me into a place where I'm beginning to have the utmost confidence about who I am. Hmm. Um, not to say that I don't wobble from time to time, because we all do, you know, everyone, anyone who's in the NFT space or spending any amount of time on Twitter um you know, it moves so fast, and it can really rock your world. And emotionally, and mentally, it can be something of a challenge. But yeah, um, you know, we, we get through it, and we're all we're all kind of in this boat together. So I don't know if that answers your question. It does. But, um, you, you
0: know, it's funny. I uh, as as like a human being, <laughs> as like the question of who is John, like I'm incredibly comfortable in my own skin. Like I know who I am, right? Like I'm supremely confident and comfortable in who I am my sense of humor, my values, all of those things. But my imposter syndrome extends to my comparison of myself and my journey in the art space and where I relate to other people in that space. So in that regard, I do relate to what you're saying. Um, but for me, it's like, I've, I've had to sort of detach myself from social media to some degrees and Twitter and the NFT space, because for, for instance, I dropped a collection of NFTs. I don't know, I'm, couple months ago of like 21 one of ones in which I was including the physical negative of the street photos. And I had people tell me, um, right, I remember. yeah, people were telling me you're fucking an idiot. Why are you doing that? So dumb. Like, why would you give away your source files or whatever? And I was like, what we do, inherently takes up a physical space in the world and I like the idea of marrying the two together Um, and I had a range of prices starting as low as like 0.1 ETH all the way up to like 2 ETH and over the last couple days I started burning out my collection because I realized at like $300 or whatever the price of ETH is you know for 0.1 I was like that is incredibly undervaluing my work as an artist and my work as a photographer and what I'm creating. Now just because someone's not buying it at that price doesn't mean that that is what it's worth, right? Like you have, I I started to realize I needed to put more value in what my self-worth was in this space. And at times it can be difficult to do that because you are judging yourself by other people's sales, by other people's successes. And it can, in that regard, be a bit of a toxic place. That being said, I've had the wonderful privilege of meeting so many amazing people, yourself included and having the ability to talk about things like imposter syndrome and confidence and inspirations that has made this place a wonderful area for me to grow as an artist and gain further comfortability in my skin. Um, in that regard.
1: it my turn.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was just, um, I can't remember what I was going to say now because the pause, the pause threw me. um, I, uh, two things, though. I mean, listen, comparison, comparing yourself to anybody, comparison is a dangerous game. Sure. You know, because I think that then what happens is, you know, those little voices in your head, they latch onto that. And they're like, oh, my God, John's comparing himself to this guy. Let's really give him a hard time. <laughs> um, so we all know that that's, that is just a road to Fair absolute life. self-destruction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's really interesting the point you brought up about valuing work because you know I've I launched my collection um, and I priced it again low because um, I felt like I was coming into a new it's a new arena uh, it's a new platform um, and I just intuitively felt as if I needed to sort of work up to uh, other stuff and because you know I was there for what you know a matter of weeks mm-hmm. and. There is, there is, you do need to sort of pay your dues somewhat. Um, I also register with you the notion. Of just, I don't think anybody coming into this space could possibly have any idea about humanity in here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I compare it to all these artists sitting around in a bar you know, in Paris somewhere, smoking Goulas, drinking wine, and just chatting about their shitty days or, you know, the art that they've made and having all the other artists saying, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah. you've got it wrong. Like, you don't <laughs> want to do it like that. You want to do it like this. Um, but then I know for a fact that, you know, if anyone were to come in and slur anyone in that group, the others would be on them like a pack of wolves. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of our own. You know, you need to get the heck out of here. Like I've seen that happen and it's beautiful. Um,
0: in that regard, the space has been place. an immensely rewarding area because I do feel like I have people who are inspiring me on a daily basis to create. Yeah. And, and at times I need that, right? Like I need to see other people's beautiful pieces of art to be able to create for myself. <laughs> I say very often that there's a book I read called Steal Like an Artist, um, and I do that in both these conversations and in Twitter spaces because having an opportunity to discuss with like-minded people about their work it inspires me to go create more of my own um which is yeah. a nice feeling um what what in, amazing. what inspires you
1: oh god so many things inspire me um people inspire me um uh looking at other people's work inspires me films inspire me you know music inspires me um my own brain inspires me i mean you know there are often times when i've and this goes right back to when I was writing songs and stuff, but some things will just arrive in my brain fully formed. And when that happens, it's, you know, like, whoa, (laughs) where did that come from? Um, But I'll take it. You know, I mean, I'll thank you very much. Um, I am inspired by books. You know, I love to read. And when I'm reading my, my, my brain can go off in a visual sort of, you know, on its own little journey and, I will suddenly find myself, you know, uh, imagining or reimagining something that I want to make. Um, books, music, uh, movies, you know, whatever. I mean, it's all there to fill a creative world. Uh, being out and about meeting new people, traveling, all these things. They, you know, they, they are there to inspire.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, staying in one place does not do the trick. <laughs> uh, you know, looking at the same thing every day does not do the trick. So I think it's just as soon as you put yourself in a different situation, as soon as you're looking at something new, as soon as you are meeting someone new, just putting yourself in, in the way of, of you know, de- not exactly danger, but, you know, just...
0: Yeah. just it's out of your comfort that,
1: zone. Yeah. I I also, I don't drive in Los Angeles. I used to, but I don't, I haven't for the last or six or seven years. So I spend a lot of time on the bus and um, I love being on the bus because I can read and because I can sort of reclaim that time to, um, you know, sew or read or whatever. And I read this article um, not really recently, but I read an article once about uh, how the art of daydreaming is, being lost oh. and the art of it you know the imagination is being taken away because people are constantly either on their phones or they're scrolling or they're texting or they're distracted Interesting. um and how healthy it is to actually just sit and stare out of a window so if i'm on a moving bus sometimes and i just sit and stare out of a window my mind wanders and then i find inspiration um it, it comes in and that you know it is it is a muscle I do believe that it is something that you have to give yourself time to do just just to daydream and just to let your mind wander because if you are an artist, that's an essential tool, I believe.
0: I, I could not possibly agree with you more and I feel like in my experiences, where whether it's just me on a train heading to the city, um, or you know, I like to spend 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes at night. I'm going to use the term meditating, but that's not necessarily what I'm doing. But I've unplugged myself exactly. yeah, I've I've unplugged myself from my phone and the going-ons of the world and social media to just be present of like who I am and what is going on, and it's made a marked improvement in my uh, creative process um and and has been really helpful for me um you've obviously like accomplished a lot in a career that's encompassed 20 plus years you know whether it's these really fucking cool flip books songs writings murals all these things that you've done um is there anything that you look at that you've created and it's the like one thing that you're most proud of that you've done or accomplished or sold or created Um,
1: well, I mean, uh, the, the, those pieces, the, the textile pieces that I, I mean, I'm, I'm super proud of those, but I, I find it's, you know, when I finished my quilt, which took three years to make, plus whatever daydreaming I, you know, did beforehand, um, um I'm, I spoke to my mom and she said, so are you happy with it? Do you like it? And I I had to say, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I don't know whether I'm, ha- I'm happy with it. I love it. But also I have no real feeling towards it. I'm not proud of it because I mean, I'm no, take that back. I'm proud of it. But it's almost as if, okay, I've done that now. Like that came into my brain. It needs to be made. I've made it. What's next? Um I'm 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 proud. I think of the things that I will create. Uh, I've got you know so many huge things that I really want to make. Um, and uh, I think I'm also proudest of the fact that I, regardless of what my um, my elders and betters when I was young wanted for me, that I stuck to my guns and managed to i i I feel like i sort of kept that little artistic person uh in a bubble inside and i constantly had to say to that person you know you'll be all right like i've got you i'm gonna look after you i promise i'll give you your time um and so the thing i'm proudest of i think is actually now giving myself permission to be the artist that i want to be to say the things i want to say um I'm proud of everything I've done uh, in terms of what I've made. You know, I when I look at it all, I'm sort of like, oh yeah, like I did that, and that was a it was a spark, it was a, an idea, and I acted on it, and I and I made it. Because you know, how many times have you thought about something, and then you sort of either resisted the idea or you haven't answered the call, and you haven't gone out with your camera that day to take that picture, and that's a real bummer. Mm-hmm. Like that's a downer um and it can actually that's what in my mind leads to me feeling anxious or depressed so when I get the uh, when I get the call when something says you know take that picture or you know go over there and I'm instead of me thinking oh but it's gonna be cold and it's (laughs) gonna be my camera's so heavy and I don't want to take a tripod, I have to do it because if I don't um then you know that leads to a sort of downward spiral. So I'm proudest of the fact that nine times out of ten I answer the call and I I set to it and I make what needs to be made. Um the the, the compulsion that I have to make things um that I respond to that. Oh I think that would be my... I fucking love awesome. that.
0: That is beautiful. Um, it's funny. So, like, let's let's say we're, we're not quite 20 years apart. But, like, let's say for argument's sake we're 20 years apart. I'm sitting in a place that you were 20 years ago. I'm currently in a position where my life is in a completely different place from everybody that I know. Um, whether it's my brother, my sister, my friends, my family. Literally everyone in my sphere of influence is, is doing things differently, right? They're all married. They have kids. Um, my life is in a completely different place. Um, from other people, talk to me about times in your life where you felt as an outsider or you felt apart from your sphere of influence, whether it's your friends, your family, and how you can correlate that to both your successes and your failures in art. Um, because I think it's been one of those things where, when I was in my twenties and I was writing on the internet and I was pretending that I wasn't, I was, you know, sort of skewing, um that part of me, but now I'm embracing that part of me, and it's in, in, it, it been able to envelop an, an entirely new uh, person because of that. Um, how do you relate to that?
1: Well, I think you just said it, actually. I think you you really just put that, you know, you took my answer out (laughs) of my mouth. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I can't remember a time in my life when I haven't felt like an outsider. I can't remember a time when I didn't always feel like I was on the periphery and that there was something that I was doing that was wrong or that I hadn't got the memo. Um, I really wanted to fit in you know, and I tried very, very hard to do that. And that actually led to, you know, my downfall um, because I, but I hadn't, there there was no one around to show me that there was an alternative way, that there was actually a different way. I just knew that I somehow was not getting it right. Um, And so why wasn't I pursuing the same things other people? Why didn't I want to go a job? Why wasn't I interested in having children or getting married? Um, I mean, I am very interested in getting married, but, you know, I dated all the wrong men. <laughs> um, that's another story for another podcast.
2: <laughs> Deal. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> um, But now I have some years behind me and now I've got a little bit more wisdom and my perspective is completely different. And now I recognize that the otherness in me, the thing that makes me an outlier um, is the thing that I need to really protect and really look after and really recognize as something precious. Um, And that it's that that gives me my unique perspective and the voice that uh, I will use, am using um, in my current daily life. Mm. Uh, You know, I mean, I was out last night with my most bestest friend, the witches, (laughs) um, who I love and adore, but, and they are so tolerant and so kind in terms of, you know, they'll ask me how the NFT world is and I sort of, I'm like, oh my God, let me tell you, you know, I just made my first smart contract and this and the other. And they, they indulge me, but you know, I'm aware that right now, um, you know, this existence that I'm living is, you know, is so far removed from, but I'm, I'm now in a position in my mental and spiritual and emotional life to be, to welcome that in, you know, to mm-hmm. do exactly what, you said, which is okay. I recognize that the, that, that thing is, is what's, what's good about my life as opposed to what's bad about my life.
0: Hmm, I love that. Um, The the biggest struggle that I had, I think, since moving over to this space was that (laughs) so much of my life, was like, where am I gonna be five years from now, right? So like, it was high school, I had to get good grades, to go to good college, to get a good job, to make a lot of money, to do blah, 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 blah. So five years from now, I could have the house, the car, the kids, and like, I don't want any of that shit anymore. Thankfully, I'm very blessed in that regard to like, know what I want out of life. Um, But the thing that I've struggled most with is how I approach my artistic journey moving forward, right? So like, I don't know how to like, gamify my future. Um, so talk to me about how you look at your current place in your life and what your artistic journey looks like moving forward and in the future and what you hope for yourself.
1: Um, well, I've never been terribly good at planning. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm trying very hard in this new uh, environment to seek advice and to figure out um, uh, what I want to do. And I'll also just say that this also um, – comes back to that idea of trusting myself. I think that you know now that i I feel as if no trust trust Rione, trust your decisions. Like trust that you actually do know what you want. Um, I would say that, you know, I think I, I think I want, you know, a couple of hotels in the metaverse and uh, you know a dynasty of Metaland. Uh, no, I I want to keep creating, obviously. I want to use um, this space to showcase both new and old work. I want to um, broaden my horizons artistically a little bit so that I'm going to to reinterpret those pieces or the pieces that I've done that don't necessarily fit into the space and learn some new skills. Um, I want to really find my voice and position inside of the space so that I can Uh, I can be a pillar in the community, so I can be someone who actually plays a role. Um, And, uh, you know, I want to just continue making and selling the pieces. And being of service, that's also important to me. I don't yet know how that looks or how that's going to uh, take shape, but I know that that's something that I want. Um, And I really just want to be able to afford to keep creating and being an artist. Mm -hmm. And Um, to to, one give myself permission to do that but also you know be able to uh, physically and financially be able to do that um, because that's my drive Um, and so yeah I think it's a a real it's a lesson for me in giving and receiving Um, I think that I've always been really good at giving and I haven't necessarily been great at receiving and now I want those two things to be really mutual and Um, you know mutually respectful Um, and you know just I just have some positive impact um, and really create art that comes from um, you know an authentic and a good place that you know if it inspires other people then so be it Um, but as I said in that one piece you know I mean I, I, I feel like I'm an offering so you know have it
0: you know
1: take it people <laughs> you know, my blood and
0: guts it's all yours the uh, the selflessness that i've experienced in this space is a wildly inspirational thing um and a, and to be honest like a bit surprising right so like in all of my life experiences m- more or less people's relation to my interactions with them is like, what can they gain from me or what can I gain from them? And being in a space of people that are incredibly selfless and they want to see everyone be successful and grow and, and, you know, eat <laughs> and travel and enjoy life. Um, it's just such a wildly inspirational, uh, aspect to this community that I, I feel super blessed to be, to be a part of. Um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's really, really, it's really fucking cool. cool. Yeah, I, um,
1: uh, I mean, not, not to say that there aren't bad actors out there and yeah. that there aren't people who are operating exactly the same way as they, you know, they did in, you know. Anyway, you know what I'm saying.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I mean, I've been fortunate thus far to fall in with people who um, are nothing but good. Um, and I think that, you know, as I've just touched on, you know, the sharing aspect and the self self lessness aspect um the th- i think the thing people they they don't understand about that is that you know if you are giving then you are also receiving absolutely so it's uh, you know it, it's it's a kind of selfless but also a pretty selfish act and that's cool like it's okay yeah,
0: i to agree be i agree
1: selfish because if if you're doing it in the right way for the right reasons and you're also managing to um, to give at the same time I think that that's healthy mm-hmm. I think that you know when people do nothing but give they give themselves away and then they have nothing left for themselves mm-hmm. so I think that um, I think there's quite a nice balance at the moment in inside of the energy space where people are lifting each other up and people are also asking for assistance and so far it's it's been nothing short of uh you know a really joyful interaction
0: yeah i love that um i like to spend the last bit of every podcast doing sort of like a q a um some oh, of them yeah. some of them are super easy some of them are a little bit more in depth what is your <laughs> what is your favorite book
1: oh that's you, you too give, hard a question. You, you, can, you can give oh me a couple God.
0: you can give me a couple um
1: there's a david mitchell book Mm-hmm. Called Cloud Atlas.
0: Okay, yeah, um, love the movie which too. Which
1: I absolutely adore. I mean, I I will try if I can to read that book you know once every couple of years. It I it's just so brilliant.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it is called Cloud Atlas, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and if anyone hasn't read it, I highly recommend it. The writing is stunning. The construction of the book is incredible. The stories that he weaves are sublime i love that book um i'll take anything by by charles dickens you know those are just a good read um i'm looking at my books over here right now um oh my god there's a book called Everyman by philip roth that also just blows my mind um joan didion big favorite um oh my god what's his name can't remember Oh, well, mind. I will have to leave that one behind. And Pride and Prejudice, which just is it's always on the list yeah, because, yeah. you know, it's the most romantic book. Mr. Darcy is the, you know, he is the number one romantic hero of all time, um, especially when he's played by Matthew McFadden. I mean, <laughs> my God. Um, so those are a few those are a few um actually at the moment i'm reading bonfire of the vanities which i've never read before okay so um i haven't read that
0: either Um,
1: super 80s super 80s you know you can actually see the outfits you can see the film it's it's crazy (laughs) um but anyway those are a few and there's there's another there's a writer whose name i can't believe i can't remember his, his name Anyway, not to worry. Maybe I'll maybe I'll DM you with that one.
0: What is your favorite movie or movies?
1: With the questions, John, the hard ones. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, um, mm, this is tough because people really define you by the movies. Um,
0: it's hard for me. I have like about a thousand, so I totally understand. It's such like a shitty question to ask because there's there really is no right answer because it's a mood based well, question. There's
1: no right <laughs> yeah, I mean there's no right answer. But I mean, okay, so last night we were talking about Manchester by the sea and I'm and now I'm just sort of naming films because they're coming into my mind, but I have to say that Manchester by the Sea is a film that I absolutely
0: love. Very heavy um, very heavy film.
1: Very heavy but it's so brilliant. Yeah. Um and just just fun yeah. fact uh Casey Affleck just happened to be in the restaurant last night, which is why we were talking about this movie.
0: That's so but, funny. But you know,
1: we were also sort of spying, <laughs> spying on him and being a bit like, like, oh my God, look at this Casey Affleck. <laughs> um, you know. But I was, you know, then we got into talking Manchester by the Sea, and I was just saying how that scene when he's in the police station and he uh, uh, does he have a gun to his head or something happens anyway. He he no. he 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 has a breakdown in in this scene, and it moves me every single time there's a movie called the believer which um was a movie that i that really touched me for whatever reason um it it was one of the first movies that ryan gosling did and it's about a a jewish boy who falls in with a group of he he becomes a nazi basically he he's like he becomes a a, a fascist and he watched that movie i'm not explaining it well you can (laughs) cut this bit out But it's a really, really good film. And his performance is really extraordinary. Um, I'm a big Lebowski fan. My favorite Christmas movie is Family Stone. Uh, Yeah, I love that film. I really do. I mean, listen. I'm listing movies that you know. I want to really dig deep and find something that's incredibly heavy and powerful to tell you, but I just can't.
0: Yeah, it's okay. You know, I
1: give up. I give up. I really like The Notebook. I mean, come on. I just do. It was
0: always you. (laughs) Um, What's your What's your favorite food?
1: Oh, my favorite food: Indian food. I love Southern Indian food.
0: Oh, that was which pretty-
1: is, which is um, you know, doses and Idli and uh, it's all, it's Southern Indians, mostly vegetarian, but uh, Indian food, I, I can't get enough of it.
0: Nice. Um, do you believe in soulmates?
1: Oh, uh, yes, I do.
0: Good, okay, I like that. I absolutely do.
1: I mean, I, I yeah, I do. But I think they, they come along... In all different shapes and forms, I don't necessarily, you know, soulmates for me doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have to sort of fall in love and be married. I, there yeah. are plenty of people whose souls I really love, and you know, I consider them soulmates and I want to keep them forever and ever. Yeah, and never leave this earth, and I just hang uh, out with them.
0: I completely agree. I, I, I've often said that, like, uh. Just because you have a soulmate doesn't mean it's a person that you like romantically end up with, and like there are yeah. more than one for people, and it can be like a plethora of things for for each. So I, I like that. Um, do you believe in? A- I I, I am also
1: going to just add to that. I take my soulmate sort of my soulmate ism orness really seriously because when I meet somebody who I whose soul I really like uh, or who I feel is my you know my kin um i i like i attach myself to those people pretty seriously i really love them
0: oh i love that i think that's beautiful um yeah i uh I, i've got bad luck when it comes to soulmates i think the person that like i was supposed to romantically end up with is married to someone else now but that's a whole another story for a whole another day do
1: you uh, do you know that for a fact like oh, is yeah, that yeah. actually someone in
0: know? yeah oh yeah oh wow yeah totally yeah, we'll get into that off, what are you
1: offline.
0: Do? <laughs> we'll get into that, that offline. Do you do you believe in an afterlife?
1: Um, I want to believe in an afterlife. I, I believe that we can never be nothing. Hmm. I, I, you know, now that we're here, I, I do believe very firmly that. I mean, now you're here, regardless. I mean, obviously, we're going to die. Um, but still, there is the the matter of the body in terms of like it is it's still there. Um, I also know some people who have had near death experiences, and they do they do talk about you know seeing the light and being given options. And mm.
0: there's a really know, there's um, a really good book you should check out. It's called Proof of Heaven. Um, I read mm-hmm. it many many years ago, um, and it is a neurosurgeon had a near-death experience and- yes no I've, i
1: i yeah. her name and it's a she and she yes yeah, so and she became suddenly really atomic mm-hmm. you know she uh, she experiences the world in a completely different way she woke up all morning she had a brain aneurysm yeah Isn't i think, it, right? was, I
0: think yeah. it was a he. And, uh, i think it was a he though
1: oh yeah well there's another one she's a she
0: okay yeah I thought it was interesting yeah. because he was a neurologist, neurosurgeon who didn't believe in yeah. religion or anything and then had this experience. It was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah. very good. Um, whew. are you happy?
1: Right now in this moment, I'm very happy. Yeah. Yeah, And generally speaking, yes, <laughs> uh, generally speaking, yes, I'm really happy. Um, I, I you know, I, I think happiness to, uh, to some degree is a choice mm. um and i think that also is a practice and that you choose on a moment to moment basis i think that when things come at me i can choose how i respond um i don't like to react i i what i prefer to respond um so i that just that practice of sort of being present um which uh, you know it gets banded around a lot but For me, it comes in those terms. It's like, okay, in this moment, I choose to. In this moment, I choose to. And I think if you choose happiness and you choose a road of no resistance, which is difficult because we all throw up roadblocks all the time, um, but personally, I, I like to... I'm, I'm going to choose to surrender as much as I can, because I find that that's the only thing that really works for me in terms of feeling happy. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm.
0: I like that. I uh, I learned very, uh, very too late in life to um, live with gratitude and what an immense impact that can have on your day to day life and your overall happiness, because if you're lucky enough to be a human being living in the United States of America in 2022, more likely than not, you have an immensely blessed and lucky life and, uh, spending some time every day practicing gratitude, uh, has made a a, a tremendous impact on my life for sure. Um, how do you deal with, I do. I write a lot. Um, I I've, I've spent the last two years, um, being very conscious about being thankful for what I have and who I have and, and all of the immense amount of blessings that I have in my life. And I try not to take things for granted. And at times, obviously, it's difficult. You know, you have shit that you have to deal with and bills you got to pay and ups and downs of life. But more often than not, I have lead a very blissful, blessed existence. And it's hard for me to be anything other than grateful. How do you deal with regret and what do you do to mitigate the feelings that regret provide you?
1: That's a horrible question. Uh, Regret is, regret is awful. Um, It's awful. And I do have regrets, Um, you know, and some of them spring from things that I have done that I'm embarrassed about or, you know, but, the opposite side of that is forgiveness, right? So um, I have to, you know, I have to dive in and constantly sort of forgive that, that version of me that did that, or that version of me that didn't choose this, or didn't go there, or, so I think that um, the way I deal with regret is to constantly strive for self-forgiveness. Mm. Um, because that seems to me because otherwise it's too painful yeah i mean living with regret is is really painful um and it's also a non-starter it just it doesn't serve it doesn't do anything um uh so i think it it's an exercise yeah in sort of forgiving yourself
0: i like that um what is the best piece of advice someone has ever given you
1: Oh, I don't know, John. I don't think anyone's ever tried to give me any advice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I'll change um, it. What What is your best piece of advice for someone who's listening to you on this podcast for the first time?
1: Um, a good piece of advice. You know, I think that honesty is the best piece of advice. I think that being trying to be as honest with yourself is... Um, is really important i think being authentic to who you are is important i think um um, it's hard to sort of wrap up a piece of a piece of advice in sort of a neat bow isn't it but i (laughs) for me i think it's really really important to um to be as authentic to yourself as you possibly can. And when I say that, what I mean is, you know, don't let other people tell you things and don't act on things that people tell you if it doesn't feel good or right to you.
0: Mm, that's good. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, last question. Give me Trust a rec-
1: yourself. There you go. That's what it is. It's trust yourself. Yeah, trust tr- yourself.
0: Trust your gut. Yeah. <laughs> L- you know, yeah. that little voice inside your head is usually right. I've found.
1: just it. that That is, that's your guide right there. Um, yeah.
0: Give me a recommendation for something that you've recently consumed. Uh, could be a podcast, a book, a music album, a movie, TV show. Just something that you've recently consumed that you'd like everyone to check out.
1: Well, I'd really like everyone to check out your podcast. I mean, you know, the wrong advice podcast is clearly, you know, where it's at um i mean that i really Thank do you. i mean that i'm i couldn't i could not could not be happier to have had this conversation with you today i think your podcast is is a gem oh. gem of gems Thank um you. what else have i watched recently that i think was good um there was the andy warhol documentary on netflix which i really enjoyed i
0: just watched that netflix. oh my god yeah, it was so cool. good yeah. yeah yeah i really cool. yeah
1: and I'll, I'll tell you the other documentary that i really loved that a lot of people couldn't get through but it was the um the beatles documentary uh who couldn't where, get through that uh get back get back oh my
0: god it was incredible it was incredible watching I it
1: was amazing
0: watching paul mccartney just like doodling on a fucking guitar and then writing like six of the biggest songs in the history of music in five minutes i was like how the fuck did that just happen it was insane
1: just being in the room you know i mean just getting to sort of be a witness and be in the room and the outfits and the way they interacted with each other and just really getting a sense of who they were as humans and how that band worked yeah um it was, was incredible. I thought, it was the most eye opening thing I've seen in a really long time. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it,
0: loved it, loved it. Oh, I'm yeah. so Yeah, me too. I-, I couldn't recommend those two things more. I think they're both outstanding. Uh, the Warhol Diaries yeah. was going to be my recommendation because I thought it was a really, really cool look behind the scenes. Um, I do have weird reservations about when they use these sort of artificial intelligent voices to voice a person who's no longer alive. Um, in a documentary setting, it, it is this weird gray area because I was a a tremendous Anthony Bourdain fan and, uh, they did that in the Roadrunner film as well. And I just have this sort of, it irks me just a bit to have words coming out from a person who's no longer alive. And, you know, it's just, it's just a little weird. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I fall on that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, was, I was contemplating like how many different ways I could mispronounce your name uh, to end this podcast and say thank you. But <laughs> I think that would be a disservice to what a tremendous and wonderful and beautiful conversation this was and how truly, truly, truly thankful I am uh, for your time and this uh, conversation. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on the podcast today and uh, just the wonderful human being that you are. And, and I'm just so greatly appreciative uh, for your time today.
1: John, thank you so much. I, I couldn't, uh, I really couldn't agree with you more. This has been so much fun. I'm really thrilled that for whatever reason, when I was sitting on Twitter some weeks ago and you posted something silly that I thought, mm, I really like this guy's sense of humour and I'm going to interact and I'm going to respond. And you've made me laugh ever since. i um, so glad. You know, I've just really, yeah, no, I mean, so, so fun. Um, and then for you to invite me on here was just, it was... A thrill, and you know, I, you know, listen. I, I'll do ten hours of podcast yes. with you anytime. It's uh, well, this was uh, this
0: you, was you, so much fun. You heard it here first, the first of uh, many podcasts to come with the one and only Biryani Shamar, yeah. my dear friend.
2: Bridney! I'm just Bridney! kidding.
0: <laughs> I wanted to Biryani, fucking. Bir- I wanted Shamar. No, I'm just kidding. I couldn't resist. I'm so that was sorry. <laughs>